If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juvederm.com. I'm Pat Cummins. I'm Josh Hazelwood. I'm Lisbon Kawaja. I'm Mitch Marsh. I'm Mitch Stark, and you're listening to the Unplayable Podcast. This is the Unplayable Podcast. The 2019 Cricket World Cup finalists are set with England to face New Zealand at Lords on Sunday. On today's episode, we're going to cover off both semi-finals and preview the big one with former Australia batsman Adam Voges, who will also take us inside the Australia A Tour. We finish the show with a chat with cricket.com.au women's editor Laura Jolly, who brings us up to speed on the women's ashes. Righto, let's get into the show with Adam Voges. Adam Voges, uh, we know the World Cup finalists. It's going to be England and New Zealand at Lords. Probably not the final too many predicted, but here we are. Yeah, g'day, Sam. Uh, certainly not the final that I predicted. I thought it was going to be an Australia-India final, so um, that probably shows how much I know. But, um, yeah, obviously a, a disappointing way for Australia to finish their campaign, um, but full credit to England. Uh, I thought they played exceptionally well today. Yeah, Australia... Uh, Won the toss. I think that was crucial. Uh, England hadn't done well chasing uh, in this tournament, but uh, Australia lost three for they were three for fourteen. Finch out first ball uh, for a golden duck. Uh, David Warner got a brute of a ball from Chris Wokes, and then uh, Peter Hanscom called in Fulsman Kawaja. They were the three wickets to four early. Steve Smith and Alex Carey put on a hundred run stand, but when they fell, uh, Australia limped to two hundred and twenty three, which. It was never going to be enough, was it? No, you always felt that they were going to be a bit short. Uh, in the end, the way that England went away about the run chase, probably another 100, they, they might not have had enough either. So, yeah, look, uh, early wickets was was the key um, to this game, as as we probably saw in the other semi-final as well. Um, Finch and Warner had done a great job for Australia throughout the tournament at the top of the order. Um, some really good bowling um, from Joffre Archer and, and Chris Wokes up front. Really tough ass for Pete Hanscom to come in in his first game yeah. in the semi-final and um, um, unfortunately didn't work for him as well. Um, yeah, As you mentioned, terrific stand between um, Alex Carey and, and Steve Smith. Um, Carey taking a pretty nasty yeah. knock to the jaw there. Blood everywhere. Yeah. Um, Great presence of mind to catch his helmet. Um, that was heading towards his stumps. But, um, yeah, unfortunately, it, it uh, proved that it certainly wasn't enough. 
And then in the run chase, England, uh, as they have done pretty much since the last World Cup, got off to a flyer throw open as best. Uh, Roy, uh, Roy in particular, Savage, who took Steve Smith for three sixes in a row, one which hit the fourth tier in Birmingham, which I think has never been done. That's how Sane on commentary was saying that. So 101 metres, that was a huge hit. Uh, he got out for uh, 85, I think, uh, um, best in the mid-40s, but... Um, Morgan and Root finished it off to win by eight wickets. A comprehensive win. Uh, does it come back to that South Africa game? If they had a pinch that game, they would have finished first. Australia, they would have played New Zealand. I mean, ifs and buts. I mean, you, there could have been lots of different scenarios, uh, sliding door moments in the tournament. But uh, in the end, you've got to win the big games, and England won it today. Yeah, that's right. And um, oh, look, Australia needed to do what England did and, and take early wickets. But um, Roy and Bairstow uh, were brilliant, as they have been for the majority of the tournament. Um, you see... In the end, it's first and second that get knocked out of the World Cup, whether whether you need to look at a, a final system that rewards uh, the teams that finish in the top two a little bit more, I'm not sure. But, um, yeah, look, England were just far too good today. Too good. Uh, they're going to play New Zealand upset. They won their 50-over contest over two days. Uh, they made only eight for 239, which you look against uh, an Indian batting attack with Rohit Sharma, uh, Kaul Rahul and Virat Kohli in the top three. And then you've got Jadeja and MS Dhoni down the bottom, uh, Pandya, Rishabh Pant. I mean, it's a stacked batting lineup. But they did it. They pulled off the Kiwis. They're always crafting these world, these global tournaments, aren't they? They always seem to punch above their weight. They're into their second World Cup final, backing up from the 2015 effort. Uh, some amazing performances. And as you mentioned, uh, top order wickets again. Bolton and Henry doing the job for the Kiwis. Uh, India were three for five, then four for 24. Uh, even though MS Dhoni and Ravindra Jadeja mounted a, a big comeback and it was getting pretty close there if they had stayed in. Who knows? But... Uh, um, returns gets rid of uh, gets rid of Jadeja and then one of the best World Cup runouts of all time Guptal hitting the stumps from a long way to dismiss MS Dhoni uh, sealed the win for the Black Caps uh, an upset but they fully deserve to be there as well. Yeah, no doubt a huge upset. I'm, I'm not too many would have predicted that um, outside the New Zealand camp. But, um, yeah, full credit to them. Um, real workman-like performance with the bat. Um, they were under pressure as well. Um, but uh, managed to scrape together a total that um, in a semi-final you just never know. And, mm. and like you mentioned, uh, three for five. India were on the, on the ropes, on the back foot. Um, but you never discount them when Dhoni's there. And um, I thought I think I saw an amazing stat that of 50 times he's been not out in a run chase India have won 47 of them he's been Jeez. the master of the run chase and yeah. um, goes to show it's um, it's something that's sometimes an overlooked factor but fielding can, can win your games and that, that run out of Martin Guptill that ended up getting him into a World Cup final it was extraordinary uh, India how do they reflect on the tournament they were, they finished the the uh, regular the group stage as uh, number one and lost the one game uh, one washed out against New Zealand as it turned out uh, Virat Kohli best one day batter maybe of all time uh, to lose in the semi-finals is that a is that a pass mark for them or is, was it win or bust for them yeah that's a, that's a good question um, oh look They'll be bitterly disappointed. I think they would have had high hopes to certainly have made the final. But, um, yeah, to get knocked out again, um, your, your reward for finishing top um, probably isn't isn't as great as it probably should be. But um, What do you reckon, Go One and two, major semi, three and four, minor semi. So you you get two bites of the cherry. Yeah, I think you need a bit more reward. Um, it's a long tournament. Uh, you played nine um, group games before you get to a, a knockout stage so um, India was so good up until that point I think there should be a bit more reward but uh, yeah they go home um, 
uh, very, very disappointed, whether it's MS Stoney's last game or not. Um, mm. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a real shame. I think he said to someone in 2016 that he'll play on to the 2019 World Cup. We don't know if that's the case yet. We might find out in the coming days. He's very secretive of this stuff. He uh, sort of went uh, in a quiet way with his test retirement in 2014. So he normally does it uh, um, just through a media release. Doesn't make a, a whole lot of fanfare. But uh, I guess we'll find out in the coming days. So the final will be a clash of styles. It'll be England uh, fire and brimstone at the top of the order. And then New Zealand who go about their business a little bit differently. Build a total. Try and go big at the back end. Uh, that's at Sunday on Sunday at Lord's. Visiting teams tend to do pretty well at Lords. Australia have a great record there. I'm not sure New Zealand's, but I'm sure uh, they would get up for playing at the, the home of cricket. You know Middlesex pretty well, playing there a lot. Um, just as a venue, what is, who does that favour, do you think? What, the, the slope, the pitch, the conditions, the atmosphere, the whole lot. Um, does it actually give New Zealand a bit of an edge because uh, there'll be so much expectation on England? Yeah, well, I think England certainly go in as favourites, but I think that word you just use, expectation, will be huge um, on an English team that uh, is playing in a Lords final. So, um, look, I, I think England deserve to go in as favourites. I think both teams will take a lot of confidence out of their semi-final performances. Uh, New Zealand will need to, once again, rely on Kane Williamson, Ross Taylor with the bat. Um, they've had their struggles at the top of the order as well, so um, they'll, they'll need to try and rectify that. But, um, again, um, if they can turn it into a scrap, if they can keep uh, England's dynamic duo at the top um, quiet, then they'll give themselves a chance. Yeah, what do we think about uh, the, the bowling attacks? They uh, Who has the edge there? I mean, Bolt is such a destructive bowler when it's swinging around and he's been such a, a handy bowler at the death too. He's probably next to Mitchell Stark, the best exponent of the Yorker. But then with England, you've got uh, Joffre Archer and Chris Wokes who are so dynamic with the new ball today. Uh, who, who has the edge there? Yeah, well, I think um, I think if... We get some overcast conditions and, and the ball swings around a bit. Oh, I think that'll play right into New Zealand's hands. We saw how well Bolton and Henry, Henry did against uh, India in those conditions. Um, India, they've got probably a little bit more ball speed, although young Ferguson from New Zealand um, yeah. lets them go. But, uh, oh, look, it, it's going to be a terrific tussle. You just you can never... You can never write off New Zealand. Um, they'll be there and thereabouts. And um, like I said, if Bolt gets some um, favourable conditions, he'll be a real handful. And what's the saying? You've got to lose one to win one. New Zealand lost one 2015. It's their turn. Maybe. Although maybe. England lost one in 92, so they're overdue. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So uh, we'll wait and see. Just on the Aussies, uh, if you look down the list, fantastic tournaments from Dave Warner coming back uh, after his ban, uh, Steve Smith as well in that respect, and Aaron Finch, they've got a lot of runs between them, uh, Finch and Warner uh, well above 500, Warner well above 600, uh, it was tough to not to not see them perform in the semi-final, but uh, looking at it as a, as a whole, the tournament, they had a great series. Yeah, they did. Uh, I thought they were magnificent at the top of the order. Um, I'll put Alex Carey in that in that group as well. Yep. I thought he had a real uh, breakout tournament. Um, he got elevated to number five today. He put on a really good partnership with Steve Smith. I th- I'm sure he'll be kicking himself with his dismissal today. Just chip one uh, off Rashid out to the deep uh, mid-wicket, right? Yeah, Yeah, it looked like he was trying to chip it into the gap and ended up just finding... Um, was that five metres short of, the, of six? Yeah, and, and didn't look like he tried to hit it that hard either. So... Um, yeah, he'll be disappointed with that. But yeah, there's a number of Aussies who, who have had some really good tournaments. Obviously, Mitchell Stark, he put in that, that category as well. And Pat Cummins, um, there was a lot of guys who did some good things. But um, yeah, they'll, they'll be disappointed tonight. Yeah, Mitchell Stark, 27 wickets, the most in a World Cup tournament. Uh, 
didn't go his way in the in the semi-final, just the one wicket for, and I think they targeted him a fair bit. If they got on top of Mitch Stark, then the rest of the attack sort of uh, not became toothless, but became more manageable, I guess, uh, the strike bowler. Um, and Carey, as you mentioned, uh, besides taking one on the chin, which was uh, incredibly brave to keep going on, he just looked like... He looked like Mike Hussey out there, batting. He was so smooth. His cover driving was fantastic. A bit of a contentious call about picking him in the World Cup squad because Matt Wade had been going so well in domestic ranks and in white ball cricket in particular. But he certainly lived up to that selection. Yeah, I think it turned out to be the right call. There's no doubt about that. Um, in a number of games throughout the tournament, um, he looked like he was playing on a different wicket. Uh, mm. His timing was was outstanding uh, the majority of the time. And um, yeah, look, he, he played really, really well. So I'm sure he'll take confidence out of that um, but yeah again I think you'll be disappointed with, with his dismissal today What about the guys like Glenn Maxwell and Marcus Stoinis didn't have the greatest tournaments is that do you put that down to, to pressure just being off I mean I think with it, with a tournament like this games are back to back to back it's, if you're in a rut whether it be good or bad it's sort of kind of hard to get out of um, and those guys just couldn't put a string of good performances together and Stoinis battled injury I think he had three or four fitness tests I think he did both his sides at one point so it's amazing that he actually got up for the semi-final yeah huge effort to, to get up and I guess we don't truly know the extent of how sore he was going into these games but um, for him to get through his fitness tests and I'm sure they would have been pretty vigorous ones um, to get up for today's game so a huge credit to him yeah both didn't have the the tournaments that they would have liked to have had and 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 yeah that I think that pressure and expectation around uh, those two guys in particular was huge so um it was always going to be difficult to live up to I think they were a um, a little bit of a victim of Australia's top order doing so well too. Yeah. Um, having said that, there were a couple of opportunities throughout the tournament where um, we did lose early wickets and there was an opportunity there for them. So, um, yeah, it wasn't the tournament that they would have liked, but um, as we know in these big tournaments, um, not every single player is going yeah. to perform. So Australia lost uh, the three games across their 10 games. Uh, you go back nine months ago, this team was in all sorts. The one-day side, sixth in the world, the lowest for thir- the lowest ranking for 34 years. Uh, lost a lost series at home against Africa and India, but then go to India, win three two there, go and sweep, albeit a second string Pakistan team five nil. They won 15 out of 16 one-day games. Uh, when England got bounced out of the 2015 World Cup, they revamped the way they play one-day cricket. Does it? Does Australia need to change a whole lot to get back up to the summit? No, I don't think so. I think, as you mentioned, the, the improvement we've seen in this team over the last nine months has, has been huge. And, um, yeah, I think they're, they're going about it the right way. Um, look, it's another four-year cycle now to a World Cup. So yeah. um, whether the selectors feel that now's the time for some personnel change, um, I guess time will tell. But, yeah, look, I, I think... I was really hardened with the way that the guys went about. I think they were quietly confident going into this tournament. The lead up and um, the, the series wins in, in against India and against Pakistan um, in the lead up to this tournament. Uh, look, there were some good signs there. So yeah, again, they'll be they'll be disappointed about their exit. Um, and and look, there will be some changes. There's no doubt um, as we look into uh, our next four year cycle for a World Cup. That's in India in what 2023, so it'll be a little bit. Uh, the conditions will be vastly different to the ones they're facing uh, in England right now. Uh, let's wrap up the World Cup with your final prediction. Uh, give us your, uh, give us a couple of key players. Uh, I'm probably guessing a couple of batsmen here, but uh, and then maybe your prediction for the winner. Is that England are going in as firm favourites? You're going to stick with them to take it out, <laughs> or you want another upset? Yeah, well, again, probably just go on the the opposite of what I say here, but um, yeah, look, uh, in 
England certainly going as favourites, and deservedly so. They, they've been the best team for for a while now, in my in my view, and um, in their home conditions, I think they'll be tough to beat. Again, the, the two up the top in, in Roy and Bearstay, they've set a plat- platform for them uh, time and time again in this tournament, and over the last couple of years as well. They play an aggressive style of cricket. They put the opposition under pressure. Um, they're good to watch, um, and, and so I think they'll go in with a lot of confidence in the way that Owen Morgan leads this team. Mm. Uh, I've been really impressed with the way that he goes about it so I think they go in as favourites their, their attack we saw how damaging they can be today um, Adil Rashid is bowling really nicely through the middle and, and taking crucial wickets as well so um, they've got a lot going for them but then again you, you look at the New Zealand team and um, you, you can't discount a team with Kane Williamson in it with Trent Bolt in it uh, Ross Taylor uh, scored some runs in the semi-final as well uh, Matt Henry bowled really well so look they've got match winners as well in their own right um, they're going to have to play extremely well they're, they're going to have to be on top of their game there's no doubt but um oh look it, it's England for mine but like I said I, I didn't think either of these teams would be in the final so what do I know <laughs> well you do know a little bit about batting and you've seen Kane Williamson up close and personal he would have scored some of his best test match hundreds while you were in the field uh there's always that big four of him Coley Root uh Steve Smith and I guess you can throw in guys like Dave Warner in there as well uh but just on Williamson what makes him such a complete batter uh, oh yeah, I, I love watching him, but he um, just the, I guess he, he he's he's good to watch. Um, the way that he goes about it, he he hits the ball incredibly late. You, you stand at slip and you just feel like you're in a run saving position because you don't feel like it's ever going to carry to you. But um, look, he. He's been a class act for a long time now, and um, look, he's um, he's a really important part of this New Zealand team. Has been for a long time, but um, yeah, look. It, Apart from loving watching him bat, um, I love the way that he goes about it. And um, technically, he's very sound and, and, and he scores big hundreds, which I like as well. All right. You're going for England. I'm going for Kane Williamson and the New Zealand Black Caps. They lost one. They're due to win one. I guess they were England. But I'm going with Black Caps to win the uh, 2019 World Cup. Adam, while the World Cup's been on, uh, we've been over here with the Australia A squad who are preparing for the Ashes. Uh, they blitzed the one-day campaign, uh, 4-0, the one out, that one washout in Worcester. Uh, they started off their four-day campaign uh, just as strong with a 10-wicket win over Sussex. Lots of good performers in that game. Uh, Joe Burns and Marcus Harris scored hundreds each, put on 214 for the first wicket. James Pattinson made his return in Australian colours in more than three years, taking 7 for 77 across two innings, bowled with a real pace and menace. And John Holland, the spinner, took six wickets. It feels like all the bowlers bowled pretty well. Josh Hazelwood, the spearhead, the most experienced bowler, didn't take a wicket. But uh, speaking to him after the game, he said that he felt he got better with each spell and certainly beat the bat a lot. a good start. I mean, uh, what did you make it as one of the assistant coaches here? Yeah, um, yeah I thought it was a really good start. Um, uh, obviously, the opening partnership between Marcus Harris and Joe Burns. I, I, don't, I think Burnsy wasn't actually going to be playing in the game um, until until well, that's the, right. the yeah. call-ups. Uh, Matthew Wade and, and Pete Hanscom and, and Mitch Marsh heading up, um, mm. up up the road to, to join the World Cup squad. So um, Burnsy's gone from running the drinks to, to top scoring and, and making the most of his opportunity, which and is great to say. And he got here on Thursday. He's sort of a late cop to the squad to begin with, not just the 11. He comes in on Thursday and then by Sunday he's playing. Yeah, I know. He's, well, he's had a bit of experience with that. He came in at the back end of the South African tour and yep. um, played after only landing um, a day or so, or so beforehand. So, yeah, look, I was 
really impressed with the two openers. I thought Marcus Harris played beautifully um, and just went about his business really nicely. And um, and, and Bernsey did the same thing. And uh, I thought I saw some good signs from Travis Head as well. There was a little bit of a collapse there with the second new ball. The clouds came over and the wicket just seemed to, to do a little bit more. And, and credit to the, the Sussex bowlers, I thought they, they started to put the ball in better areas as well. So, um, But all in all, I thought certainly the, the two at the top were the, were the standouts with the bat. Um, and then with the ball, uh, yeah, James Pattinson, as you mentioned, I was really impressed with the way that he went about it, ball with good pace, good control, um, looked intimidating, um, which I think is going to be a, a mm. real asset for Australia in the Ashes. Um, Josh Hazwood, as you mentioned, went wicketless, but I agree with his assessment. I thought he got better and better as the game went on. Beat the bat on numerous occasions. Um, a couple of LBW shouts, which I think were really tight, uh, given not out. Um, and the other one for me was Jackson Bird. I thought he bowled really well in the second innings. Um, and I'm sure there'll be a bit of a fight on for that for that um, extra seamers position within the within the uh, Ashes squad. And I don't think he did his chances any harm as well. Yeah, fantastic. He took three for four and a couple of overs break the game open where the Australia A attack took 10 wickets in the final session on day three. You don't see that very often. Uh, just on the batting, uh, as you said, the 214 run stand, there were three for 313, all out for 373. And you mentioned how the, the cloud, cloud cover came over. Uh, is that what just happens in English conditions? It's all of a sudden when it gets a little bit gloomy, the pitch seems to liven up and the bowlers maybe get their tail up a little bit and then all of a sudden uh, batting seems to become really difficult. Yeah, it's the old saying of look up, not down. But um, yeah, it's um, it's amazing how your overhead conditions can can dramatically change what the what the cricket ball does over here. And um, I think that's what as a batting group we need to get better at identifying those periods and and finding ways to get through them because they don't last forever. And unfortunately, we weren't able to get through that that period during this game. Um, which was disappointing in a way, but I think the guys will learn a lot from that. And um, hopefully moving forward, obviously a, a big game against uh, the England Lions coming up in a couple of days' time, and hopefully they can take those lessons into this next next game. What can you do, though, when it, when those conditions come over? Do you, I mean, if batting normally has to change, do you go into your shell and try and survive it, or do you go the other way and play more aggressively and try and put the opposition on the back foot? What, what are sort of some of the the tactics that you guys would look to employ when that happens? Yeah, it'll be individual for each guy. Um, they'll, they'll all do it slightly differently. For me, it's just about getting up the other end. Um, it's um, it's yeah. the best place to watch from. But it, just, it, like getting, just rotating the strike. Yeah, I think so. Not not not, not getting bogged down. Um, um, finding finding a way to um, continue to tick the scoring over, uh, respect the bowling, play, keep the good balls out and, and make sure you're still scoring when those opportunities come along. So, um, But understanding that um, you may play and miss it a couple of... And, that's just going to be uh, par for the course. Yeah, how about uh, how about the, the Ashes spots? I forgot you talked about that extra same spot, but uh, do you get a sense that these guys really know what's on the line? Oh, no doubt, no doubt. Um, you, you can sense that there's um, there's guys who understand that there's there's opportunity. Um, I'm really looking forward to seeing how the next couple of weeks pan out with obviously this this game against the Lions and then the. Uh, intra-squad game I guess mm. you call Australia versus Australia A um, down at uh, Hampshire so I oh, look there's it's it's huge it's a great opportunity for these guys um, you, you hope that they um, they can make the most of these opportunities and and not worry about potential selection um, uh, but just go out and play some good cricket over the next couple of weeks and and hopefully we'll see that from a number of players and and they put their hand up and, and hopefully they make the the selectors job a real tough one how did you go about it when you were playing with selection on the line, how did you go about dealing with that situation? 
Oh, you just focus on the next ball. That's that's the only that's the only really important thing is is being present in the contest and not worrying about what's just happened or what's about to happen. Um, if you can keep your mind focused on what you need to do in the, in the, in that moment and watch that ball and 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 uh, treat it treat it on its merit, and then once that's done, get ready for the next one. That's that's all you can really do. And and the guys who can stay present and and make sure that they're focused on on the job at hand, I think they're the ones that all succeed. How about James Pattinson? You mentioned him about being such a an asset for the Ashes. Hopefully, no more injury setbacks, and he's right to go and get selected. But what what out? I mean, apart from his bowling and the, you know that pace and aggression and so much experience over in English conditions. What about the group? What does he add to the group? Yeah, he's he's been brilliant. Um, he he's sort of taken on as as leader of the attack in the last game. He was really good. Obviously, he's been over here playing uh, with Nottingham and um, uh, he understands the English conditions. He's played a couple of seasons of county cricket over here, so he, he understands what it takes to be successful over here. So he's certainly been helping the other guys out who, who may not have had so, as much experience with certainly the lines and the lengths that they need to bowl in these conditions. But, um, oh, look, he's just a bloke that you like to have in your team, isn't he? Um, when he's up and about, when he's firing, when he's bowling fast, he's... Is an intimidating factor, and um, I think he'll be a huge asset come Ashes. But um, yeah, look, I think it was a really good step forward for him. He, I think he got through 20 overs in the first innings, and then had a a, a small bowl in the second innings. But um, he looks like he's uh, fit and firing and ready to go. And he's played a lot of cricket at Nottinghamshire alongside Stuart Broad, and one of Stuart Broad's great traits is his ability to take wickets in clumps. And it feels like that's rubbed off on Pattinson a lot. He's one of those guys. They can take lots of wickets in a short space of time. Just what's that as a, as a player, as a captain, you would understand um, to have that kind of bowler in your side? Yeah, I'll probably understand it more from an opposition <laughs> yeah. player point of view. Coming out when Pato's got his tail up, um, it, it's tough work as a batter. So um, I can only imagine that as a captain, it's a it's a pretty nice luxury to have when he's um, when he's up and about. So um, yeah, look again, um, whichever way um, the selectors decide to go in terms of attack for the for the first test, I'm, I'm sure his his name will firmly be um, on the list. So uh, yeah, again, I think he's got a, a huge role to play. This Australia race tour gets a little bit tougher now, doesn't it? No disrespect to the teams they've already played, but they are county side to a mid-competition, so they are slightly under strength. But this England Lions squad is full of um, basically all the informed players in county cricket at the moment. They're three of the top four Division Division 1 run scorers. We've got leading wicket-takers of both divisions, uh, test players, uh, former test players in there. Um, this is going to be a real stern test, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And I think Tim Payne mentioned it the other day and um, that there's a chance for opportunity for them just to lift the intensity a little bit. He sees it as the first game against England so um, he wants that intensity brought by the team and um, I'm sure they've got another gear in them from from what we saw at, at Arundel so um, yeah look I think it's going to be a terrific contest um, really looking forward to it yeah it's a strong England Lions team so hopefully uh, we can play four days of uh, pretty solid cricket if we uh, if we come out of that with a win then I think um, I think everyone will be in a pretty good mood when we head to Hampshire. And then the final game before the Ashes squad's picked, Australia versus Australia Ray. I think it's not going to be a first-class game now. It's going to be 12 on 12, so we get to see the best 24 uh, Red Bull players in the country go at it. We're speaking to Tim Payne. He's thrown his hand up uh, for a draft. He'd love to see a couple of maybe a captain's pick, school school uh, schoolyard pick. How would you like to see it selected? And, and, and in, all, in all seriousness, is it do you pick your best 12? against the next best 12 or do you mix and match so 
one batting group versus one bowling group and the other way around? Depends if you know what your best 12 is, I yeah. guess. Um, and I think this is what the game is for, is, is to, to work that out. So, oh, it's exciting, isn't it, to have um, 24 of the best players in the country over here competing um, against each other um, just before the announcement of the, of the squad. So, yeah, it's really exciting how, how the selectors go picking that. It, it might be. It, yeah. it might be the old schoolyard. Uh, Painy, you get first pick and... Uh, Steve Smith or um, whoever is uh, looking after the other team, um, you go next and uh, and pick your teams. But uh, knowing JL, he'll he'll have something up his sleeve, I'm sure. He'll have a scheme already sorted. And it's tough for Payne because he's also the Test captain and the Australia Rack captain. So they'll need to find another. They'll either find one other captain there somewhere. Uh, it's going to be really fascinating the intensity of that game because you could imagine that if you are um, someone like a Chris Tremaine uh, who's probably on the fringes of selection and you get the new ball against David Warner <laughs> and his opening partner who could, might be Marcus Harris, might be Joe Burns or someone, they're going to really fire up. Yeah, they will. Um, and, and that's what's so exciting about this contest. It's, um, I'm sure it'll be played in great spirit, but um, it's going to be ultra competitive and um, that's what I'm looking forward to seeing the most is um, there's guys who will, who will be desperate to put their hand up and um and and their name forward come selection time so um yeah i don't i don't expect it to be a friendly fixture i think um for for a lot of the world cup guys that'll be there only hit out before the first test as well so um they'll want to be spending some time out in the middle and uh, and making the most of it and what do you reckon should we get some sort of you know the mid 90s had the, the different uniforms the inverse uniforms should we have like baggy greens and baggy yellows or some sort of differentiation in the uh, in the equipment and the, the uniforms or something there's got to be something there right yeah well obviously the names and got, the numbers that's the names, that's new isn't yeah. it for test cricket I'm not still not sure how i feel about that just yet but um what what's what do you got against it i don't uh, it's just different i guess i'm one of these but you played in first class cricket with the numbers and names on the backs didn't you yeah i didn't say i liked it <laughs> Um, oh, look, it's just different, isn't it? So um, it's good for people. Um, I, I feel for the guys fielding on the boundary um, when, <laughs> when the Barmy Army are going at you. Um, at least you had a bit of anonymity about you when you didn't have your name plastered all over your back. I'm but not Glenn Maxwell. They, they quickly worked out who you were anyway. But, um, yeah, look, it's um, it's it's a little bit different. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's a, it's a good question. What number would you have worn? Or what uh, number did you wear? Uh, 24 was my um, number on my back when I played one day cricket for Australia um, but 32 was my number for Western Australia so um, but I think that's Glenn Maxwell's number so um, yeah I don't know I'd just wear whatever I was given to whatever, honest, whatever you're given alright well uh, the Lions game kicks off on Sunday in Canterbury Adam Voges thanks for coming on and take care thanks Sam The women's Ashes has got off to an incredible start for the Australians. Six points to love up, uh, to use some tennis phraseology there. But uh, Laura Jolly, cricket.com.au's women's editor, uh, is in uh, Marlborough College right now, uh, where she's staying in the Swindon lot, but she's there watching the women's team uh, have their three-day practice game ahead of the all-important test match. Uh, Laura, first of all, happy birthday. Thank you very much, Sam. Tell us about the women's Ashes so far, Australia coming over here to England, uh, holding the title, but uh, they couldn't have asked for a better start. Yeah, it's been um, unbelievable, really. You know Australia are the best team in the world. They're ranked number one in the one-day format, but did expect a much closer contest for the one-dayers with England being the reigning world champions and on their home turf. They probably missed a trick with the first one. They had Australia in a pretty tough situation there. 
the Aussies ended up cruising home in the second and then it was extraordinary what happened in the third with uh, Elise Perry running absolute right, picking up seven wickets and rolling them for 75. So it's been the best start Australia could possibly have asked for and it's left England needing to win the test and all three T20s if they're going to reclaim the Ashes. Right, that seems like a tall order, LJ. Uh, let's just talk about Elise Perry for a second. Is she undoubtedly the GOAT women's cricketer now? I think she is. I think, yeah, she started off as a teenage tearaway fast bowler and then her batting came on so much, but her bowling probably did drop off a bit two years ago when her batting uh, really soared for the first time. And I think now, with the work she's done with Ben Sawyer on her bowling, as well as the work she's done upping her strike rate with the bat, I think she's actually hitting her peak in both disciplines at the moment, which is just extraordinary to see. Unbelievable. Only four Australians have taken a seven-wicket haul in one day of nationals. Bickle, McGrath, Nitschke, and now Perry. And she's also got a double hundred in test match cricket. Uh, I think only Jason Gillespie in recent times can claim that. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty amazing. And she's definitely uh, looking her lips at the chance of getting back into the whites again for the, the test match next week. LJ, what do you reckon the difference between the two teams has been so far? They were so close in those first two one days, Australia romped home in the third one, but what do you think that the, the big point of difference between the two sides has been? I think it's Australia's depth. Um, they were in real trouble with the bat in the first two ODIs in the chase, and both times they're what you would perceive to be tail-enders where it just had nerves of steel and got them home. And when you've got people like... Alyssa Kimmins and Jess Johnson coming in down the order. They bat up high in their BBL teams. They can handle pressure situations. They just came out and held their nerve and got Australia home, whereas England have just looked very nervous. And it was almost like the way of the world was on them in that third ODI. They lost a few early wickets and they just continued playing rush shots. And they have looked like a team under a lot of pressure in the series. LJ, the series now moves to the Test match in Taunton. Uh, what can we expect out of this game? I think it's going to be a really exciting Test match. England have to win if they're going to keep the Ashes alive, so they're going to have to come out and play some really aggressive cricket. I think the last couple of Tests they've played, they've been a bit more conservative. They haven't really known how to push the game forward. That's sort of been left to the Australians a bit more. This time, they're going to have to really make all the play. And I think that's going to make for a really entertaining game. Australia has already said they're not going to go in their shells. They're not playing for a draw. They want to come out and win this test. They want to approach their test match cricket with a, pretty much just a slightly more reserved version of how they come into one days. So I think it, it should be a very entertaining test. Yeah, just about that. Australia draw the draw the game. Uh, they seal the ashes having retained it, uh, being the holders of it. Uh, but you said they're going to go out there and try and win. Will that... Will that um, also influence selection. Will Australia pick a fairly attacking team? Lots of bowls to try and take those 20 wickets. Yeah, that's the big thing. Um, Matthew Mott said the other day, it's all about picking a bowling attack that's going to be capable of taking 20 wickets. So that's what they're trying to work out with this trial match they're playing against the England Academy at the moment in Marlborough. Taylor Valemic, I think, could almost be a sneaky chance to uh, to come in and, and play. She's been absolutely terrorising them in the nets here. Um they seem to say she's about on pace with maybe Perry or, or Brunt, but you don't see the Australian batters as frightened of those guys as they are of Taylor when she's really charging in. So if she can find her line and work out the right length to bowl on these wickets, I think she's a real chance of getting into this test match. LJ, what about the captain, Meg Lanning? Uh, she missed out on the Ashes series last time. Rachel Haynes did a fantastic job. Uh, how... How determined, how much can you see in her that she wants to, to get 100 and win the Ashes series as captain? 
Yeah, I think she's cutting a, a pretty determined figure at the moment. She's a, a bit of a different skipper than she used to be. Smiles a lot more, laughs a lot more, but she's fiercely determined to do well in this series. And I think especially after missing out in those first two ODIs. And then probably threw away a wicket when she was on track for 100 in the third ODI too. So she never actually scored a test 50. So that'll probably be the start for her. But if she can get a test match century, I think... And feel the ashes in the process. I think that would um, would make the series for her. And just looking at the scores at Marlborough College today, uh, can you someone tell Alicia, Alyssa Healy that it's a test match? Uh, that she's scoring at eighty four uh, uh, runs per hundred deliveries, uh, a strike rate um, which is the Saywag Gilchrist like in terms of test matches. Do you, do you expect her to play that aggressive game in the in the four day game? Yeah, we were a bit surprised early on when she was just charging away there. Um, it was disappointing to see her get out um, in the 30s. I thought she could have probably gone on with it. But the Australians made a very positive start. They were ticking along. Definitely had a, a one-day pace that almost sticks it over for a while there. But after losing a few wickets, they've reined it in. Uh, we saw Rachel Haynes retire at T on 47. And Beth Mooney's just brought up her half-century. She's currently on 59, so she's looking really good too. It's good signs for the middle order in particular today. Alright, so uh, let's get a bold prediction out of you, LJ. How can you see this test match going and if it goes the way you think it will, how will the, the rest of the series play out? I can't go against Australia winning this test match. <laughs> I think they've, um, they've just got a, a stronger squad than England at the moment and they're just looking in, in terrific form. So I uh, Hopefully, I would like to see them actually achieve Elisa Healy's prediction and win all seven matches and uh, pick up the Invincibles tag in the process. Well, thank you so much, LJ. And again, from everyone here at the Unplayable Podcast, happy birthday. How are you going to celebrate uh, the uh, the special day? Uh, well, a very generous colleague has put me a bottle of red wine, so we might be sharing that later on. Fantastic. You can uh, stay up to speed with all the Women's Ashes news scores, highlights, videos, all of LJ's fantastic work on cricket.com.au and the CR Live app. LJ, next time we speak to you, I think it'll be after the women's test. So uh, all the best for you and the women's team in Taunton. Right. Thanks, Sam. That's it for this week's episode. We will be back next week to wrap up the World Cup final. But until then, for everything you need to know on the World Cup, Women's Ashes, and the Australia Ray Tour, including live scores, news, and video highlights, head to cricket.com.au and the CA Live app. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. 
There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.